New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting the Right Reverend Dr. Mark Andrus. He's the author of Brothers in the Beloved Community, The Friendship of Thich Nhat Hanh and Martin Luther King Jr. I'm speaking with Bishop Mark at his home by remote connection. Welcome, Bishop Mark, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you so much, Justine. I know you've shared your extensive research of the friendship of these two great spiritual and political activists with us. And I know it's important for us to know the history of how their friendship unfolded. And more than the history, though, I think of the living legacy of their work. And that does give us so much inspiration to continue what the late Congressman John Lewis said, good trouble. These two people, these two light beings, were unlikely friends. How so? How so? Well, they were both from countries at war with each other. So let's just put it in today's context. Let's start with a friendship between a Russian and a Ukrainian. Not impossible, but not easy. They were two different religions. So unlike um, Ukraine and Russia, not likely to be Orthodox, but uh, in this case, Buddhist and Christian. They were two different races, Vietnamese and um, African-American. One was a monk. One was a married man. um, And they almost couldn't be more contrasts between them. Um, and, And yet they completely bridged those contrasts and became brothers. Truly, and they only met a couple of times, but their connection was, you know, I get the idea it was ordained. (laughs) It was destiny ordained somehow, because they both were so revered in their own culture, yet the two of them went beyond their own cultures and were world citizens. That is exactly how Thich Nhat Hanh described himself. I have become a world citizen. So he was forced to it in one way by being exiled. And um, and this is the truth of our lives, isn't it? Um, sometimes that which we don't choose and which we experience as suffering um, can become a door to a, a, a broader reality, uh, something that we didn't guess was possible. And that was true for him. And for, for Dr. King, he was on that path. Um, but when he was given the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964, he recognized that as a call to serve the world, to, yes, continue to serve his country and his people, Black Americans, but also he accepted the mantle that the Peace Prize conferred upon him and said, you know, I have to live in the world house, as he put it. And so in a way, uh, I put it that the earth, which Thich Nhat Hanh called a great saint, a bodhisattva, the earth itself, if we believe that, maybe the earth was 
acting on these two people, these individuals, to draw them closer in relationship to each other. That's such a great concept. I'm so glad you brought it up. I know that Thich Nhat Hanh felt that Dr. King was a bodhisattva, was a great saint. Mm-hmm. And then he puts the earth and the moon in that same context. And that goes back to your background in reverence for the earth itself. And you've worked for climate change and you've worked for for the earth itself. And the earth is speaking to us. It's a live entity. Yes. So so there's this whole idea that's been recovered, right? I think that's important to say, been recovered about the earth as uh, as a living interconnected entity uh, so that means it's able to be active it's not just this passive inert uh, material that we can mine and drill and cut and uh, but but is an active being so this is an ancient ancient idea that all as far as i know all the world religions have believed that the earth is sacred uh, they've believed it's living but we have suppressed that knowledge with and that belief within ourselves. So with the Gaia theory, um, you know, from James Lovelock in England in the 20th century, and he just died at well over 100 years old last year, he, as a scientist, actually started talking about the Earth as a self-regulating, uh, deeply complex and yet deeply integrated being. He tried to correct the popular view of this as saying it was like a god or a goddess, but um, but he did say it was an active, self-regulating, deeply interconnected, deeply complex, you could say, being. And um, and this is, as I say, a recovery through science of something that faith has believed for millennia, uh, but has lost in the last 400 years. So we're returning to it in the way that Brian Swim and Thomas Berry have helped us understand that uh, with the science of today, we have new origin stories about the cosmos and that that those stories are also about our present reality. And, um, and they are sacred stories as well as they are stories of science. You mentioned Brian Swim and he's on my mind right now because I just finished a wonderful session with him. And I think that you mention in the book his talking about what's innate in all of us is something called desire. The earth is in love with the sun, and the sun is in love with the earth. He talks about it in the form of gravity, and gravity as love. And so the earth holds us in her loving arms by the very fact that we are held in gravity and love by her. Yes. Yeah, so um, Brian is uh, taking this idea of gravity, which, uh, you know, is birthed uh, in positivistic, uh, objective science, which is a fiction, right? No scientist <laughs> is no scientist is really objective. We all are people, uh, just as no person is actually objective. It's a fiction. It's a useful fiction for undertaking research. Um, it's never perfect, however, and we shouldn't imagine that it's perfect. Instead, we must see every person, every scientist, every every ordinary person as being filled with desire, love, 
ourselves and that guides us um it it, it guides us it, um so so he's trying to recast this objective idea of gravity in terms that are truer it seems to me that that it is um desire rather than just something we call gravity and desire the first god of all the gods according to plato uh was eros um which is a a kind of love a kind of desire um the first of all the gods okay yeah he takes us all the way back to that and talking about desire going back to beloved community well thank you um so it is entirely hopeful it's entirely hopeful the idea of the beloved community because um it manifests wholly in its smallest expression so if you and i were to just simply sit down together in regard to each other and have a cup of tea um, and listen attentively to each other with respect, the beloved community is present. And um, and so the idea of beloved community circles, uh, I'm inviting people to think about creating small circles of people deliberately diverse from the beginning. So think about, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh and Martin Luther King. Um, why not seek out people that represent that kind of difference and believe that you are already in the beloved community together so that the fear of crossing those boundaries is something we can we can surmount and then sit down together um, and pray together. By that, I mean, as Thich Nhat Hanh said, uh, in your own way, uh, touch the ultimate together and, and then see where it takes you. Uh, I, I think this is part of the beauty of it, too. You don't have to be committed to a particular program or a particular activity. Um, although I have found that in my international interfaith climate work, I'm in these kind of beloved community circles without us calling them that or without uh, recognizing that. I'm in a Zoom every other week with... Um, Muslims, uh, Buddhists, uh, Christians, Jews, uh, we're meeting together to work towards uh, the climate summit in Dubai this this uh, December, the United Nations summit, and we're working completely in concert with each other. Not that we agree on everything. That is, um, the, the creativity comes in some of the disagreements and the differences, but love is totally present. There's no creed. There's no differences in our theologies that are being uh, expressed. Um, we're honest about some of the profound differences uh, in terms of, for instance, uh, support and solidarity with the LGBTQ community. Um, but it doesn't prevent us from relating to each other. Um, you know, so so uh, these are entirely possible. And I, I hope that people will hear the call of the beloved community and and enact these simple circles in their own lives. And I, I think that what we'll find is that these are completely enriching experiences. These are not, this is not a, a burden. This is a gift uh, to, to live because if the beloved community is reality, then the more we align with actual reality, the happier we're going to be. Um, what we're living in uh, in the in the world that has we have helped construct, we have inherited and and helped maintain 
the world where there are a few uh, people controlling many others, where the world is treated as a dead, inert being, this world is a distortion of reality. Um, and so if we think that we're living in reality, we actually think we may be happy. But there's so much evidence of the suffering that everyone is experiencing uh, that we're just kind of pretending. And, and if we would emerge into these simple expressions of the beloved community, there would be so much more happiness. And the Dalai Lama, you know, he prods in his way at at Western um, understandings because we deny happiness as a good goal. You know, we, it, that's we need to be more selfless and not be look for our own happiness. And he says, no, happiness. If if you're happy, you're making others happy. So so seek happiness. It's not self indulgent. It's it's not luxuriating. Happiness is sort of a basic thing. And I think living in the beloved community is is happiness. I think that there was someone who spoke to you about those of us who practice Buddhism. We're all aware of that first principle, life is suffering. That's oh. like, you know, the, the four noble truths and life yeah. is suffering. And you have spoken to someone who, who said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That precludes life is also non-suffering. It's both in. And I love that. When I read that in your book, it made me just jump up. Yes. That comes from Thich Nhat Hanh himself. Um, and it, it's part of his deep importance as a Buddhist teacher in that not only does he uh, restore ideas about nirvana being in everyday life, not somewhere else, sometime else, uh, but he also talks about suffering and says uh, the Buddha didn't intend to say that the content of life is suffering, that that it's something to get out of, right? To moksha, release, that we're not we're not seeking release from this world and this life, but rather every life has suffering in it. That's a very different idea. Um, we know that. Um, I, I will suffer. I do suffer. But suffering is not the um, the whole content of my life. And that is the distortion of uh, the Buddhist teaching. Uh, just as we distort Christian teachings, Buddhism, according to Thich Nhat Hanh, and many people affirm him, um, they have taken the Buddha's words and, and distorted them into making life a veil of tears. And, and instead, the world is a beautiful world. And yes. he believed that. I have one last question for you. Is there a universal moral code? When you talk about being with that group that is so diverse and you may not agree on everything, it's part of my life to look for the biggest truth I can find. And one of my searches takes me on the idea of a universal moral truth that we can all agree on and hold as human beings on this planet? Hmm. Well, I'm probably going to sound too simplistic uh, in answering your question, Justine. It's, a, it's such an important question. Um, but I would say that if I believe what the one of the letters of John says in the New Testament, that God is love 
And the, that word love is the word for overflowing love, unconditional love, sacrificial love, agape. If I believe that, then I can test, to, to answer directly answer your question, I can test every moral circumstance with that equation. In other words, if I see a, um, a religious configuration in which men are privileged over women, and I ask, how does that line up with God is love, overflowing love, then I say it fails, uh, right? So, so it doesn't um, have it doesn't come out to be a decalogue of 10, 10 things that I will do or will not do, but it gives me a way of understanding the world from the the foundation of overflowing love, and I can see if things are in accord with that or out of step with that, and that guides me morally. I love that. I love that. Thank you. That's very helpful to me. I just want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. We could go on and on, and you have so much wisdom and experience to share with us. As do you, Justine. Thank you. Thank you. I've been speaking with the Right Reverend Dr. Mark Andrus, and he's the author of Brothers in the Beloved Community, the friendship of Thich Nhat Hanh and Martin Luther King Jr. And to find out more about his work, you can go to diocal.org slash bishop. And I'll spell that D-I-O, D as in David, I-O, Cal as in California, C-A-L dot org slash bishop. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, where you'll find over 1,800 programs in its archive. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.